So what do you long for? Just take a minute and think about it. Is there one thing or a couple of things that above all other things you deeply desire? Something that if you just had it, your life would feel complete. Now, I'd love to stand here and say that all my desires have been lofty, but that would be a lie. God knows them already. In fact, our first prayer this morning starts out with, Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid. So it is no secret to God, even though I like to pretend it was, that when I used to work in film, I lusted after that Emmy, and oh my, did I want an Oscar. I knew that with one of those in hand, I knew how perfect my career would be. Suddenly, no trouble with fundraising, broadcasters' doors would be wide open, the best talent in the business would be knocking on my door to work with me. I imagined those awards would magically give me a wonderful career of ease and total fulfillment, even though a few friends who had those awards had not had any more luck with fundraising, broadcasting, and the like. So in the 17th century, the French mathematician and theologian Blaise Pascal wrote about our, how our yearnings proclaimed that in our hearts there once was a true happiness of which all that now remains is the empty print and trace. He said that we try in vain to fill that void driving the desire with everything around us. We seek the things that are not there, those things we yearn for, and seeking the help we cannot find in those things that are already in our lives. He writes that this infinite abyss can only be filled with an infinite and immutable object, in other words, by God. Now, over the centuries, people have rephrased his words to say, and you'll find this as his quote on Google, even though it isn't actually his quote, that we all have a God-shaped hole in our souls. And today's gospel speaks to this God-shaped hole with an image of hunger, with being fed by Jesus, because Jesus proclaims, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus is saying the true source of filling our needs is him. How much do we really trust that? How much of that idea, Jesus is the bread of life, do we actually even understand? It's quite a concept to sit with. Now, the crowd who hears Jesus explain that he is the food that endures, they don't get it. They ask, what, what sign are you going to give us then that we may see it and believe you? Now, this is pretty startling because in the scene before today's reading, which we read last week, Jesus had just fed 5,000 people, of which this crowd was some of those people. 
And in the ancient world, only men were typically counted in such tallies. So if we include women and children, there are likely well over 10,000 people who were fed. Imagine a whole arena of people with full bellies. We'd call that a remarkable sign. And yet the day after this feeding, this crowd hops into boats and they chase Jesus across the sea. They want more. The miracle of having full bellies, thanks to Jesus, is not enough. What sign are you going to give us? And I wonder if we too might be like the crowd. We're actually so used to hearing about this miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 that perhaps we too overlook what is right before us. Jesus who feeds us in the here and now. Jesus feeding us in ways that we may not understand. Ways that we may not even see. He says, I am the bread of life. Life. All that is creative, new. Food that comes from God. Food, the scripture says, he says, that endures. The true food. That food which fills our God-shaped holes. So what is this food? Jesus says it's not the food that perishes. He says we should not be working for food that perishes. Yet how many of our yearnings are for things that perish? How many of our yearnings are for things that are not completely and fully life-giving? Jesus, the bread of life. Are we working for that life-giving bread? And Jesus gives us an interesting clue, more food for thought, so to speak, that the true work to be done is actually the work of God. It's the grace of God moving in our hearts, the grace that pulls us to believe in Jesus, the grace that pulls us to turn our hearts to Jesus, that we may feed on Jesus. This is what will endure and sustain us. This is what will fill our God-shaped holes so that we will never be hungry, so we will never thirst. Jesus, the bread of life, this is such a powerful concept that it's at the heart of our worship every single week. It's the heart of this service, the Eucharist. We're going to come to this rail and essentially feed on Jesus. Week in and week out, we physically connect to God. We physically connect to the love of God, the one thing, the truest thing, that is life-giving, life-saving, and restorative. And I particularly love how that as human beings, beloved beings created in the image of God, being fed, fed by bread once is not enough. We need to be fed over and over and over again. So belief in Jesus means continually turning our lives towards him, continually returning to his table to feed. Belief in Jesus means continually turning our desires, no matter how worldly they are, 
over to Jesus so that they may be reformed, so that they may be given new life and be born again into a divine life that sustains us and empowers us in ways we often don't expect. One theologian writes that this life living with the bread of life is not one of achieving self-satisfaction and not even necessarily one of achieving our own peace of mind. This is a life of restoration, a life where Jesus frees us in the communion with him to embrace God's will for us, God's will to restore humanity and ultimately the cosmos to what God created. So today, may we feed on this bread of life. Next week, may we feed on the bread of life. Each week, each month, each year, may we continually return and feed on this bread of life. May we invite it to fill our God-shaped holes so that we may be transformed into everything God wants us to be. Amen.